0: They were developing that, um, you know, computer animated filmmaking technology for years before Toy Story came out. Toy Story comes out and then that technology is brought to the world through characters that people love, not because they knew how the technology worked or what was underlying that story. At the end of the day, the tech made Toy Story possible, but but Toy Story made the adoption of the tech possible. And that, that, I think, is the closest parallel to what we're building right now. And Doodles
1: is going to be our toy story. This episode of Empire is brought to you by QuickNode. QuickNode is an end-to-end blockchain development platform that makes building Web3 apps super easy. No matter what you want to build, you can effortlessly develop any application by leveraging their elastic APIs. Go to quicknode.com, use code Empire. You'll get a free month on their feature-backed build plan. That's right. Go to quicknode.com. You'll get a free month to start playing around. You'll hear more about QuickNode later in the show. This episode is brought to you by Synthetix, the liquidity layer for DeFi derivatives. With Synthetix v3, any protocol can now tap into Synthetix liquidity to bootstrap derivatives markets. You'll hear more about Synthetix later in the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Empire. We have Julian Holgen, CEO of Doodles, joining us on the pod today. Julian, how you doing, man?
0: I am good. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, pumped on this. So I was telling you before we hit uh, hit the record button here that uh, I would say Empire is more of a DeFi native show, a little less uh, NFT heavy. And, you know, we've had folks in recent episodes uh, like the Multicoin guys, uh, Kyle and Tushar. We've had uh, Kane from Synthetix, Rob Leshner from Compound. And we I think we spend a little bit less time focusing on what's going on in NFT land. But we're coming on the back. I wanted to do this because uh, coming off the back of NFT NYC, went to Doodle's event. There were a lot of really big brands there, Uh, got some insight into like what you guys are building both on the collaboration with other brands, as well as uh, how you guys think about like building your own IP and heard this word of like Disney tossed around a couple of times. And uh, I think it would just maybe a helpful starting point here, Julian, would be because we have more of like a DeFi native audience. um, The backstory of Doodles, I think, would just be helpful from like the, the, the fall 2021 launch through when you joined in May of 2022. And before we get into the the big broader vision of building a Disney. Maybe, can you just take us back into the last 18 months and, and really what's happened with Doodles thus far?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the project launched in October of 2021 and it was launched by three partners, three co-founders, Evan Keast, Jordan Castro, and Scott Martin also, and more normally known as Burnt Toast. Scott was an animator, illustrator, graphic designer, just all around artist um, coming into the project. And all the IP that you see is literally hand-drawn by Scott. Um, You know, he did all the original characters. Evan and Jordan worked together at Dapper Labs. They, um, you know, Evan was really more on like the growth marketing and brand kind of voice side. Jordan was a product lead. So, you know, they ushered in kind of, a couple waves of mainstream NFT adoption with things like CryptoKitties and uh, NBA Top Shot, um, and then the three of them came together to launch Doodles, which was another, you know, obviously major wave of mainstream adoption when it came to NFTs. And you know, it was kind of strange at the time to see three people that were completely doxed, um, you know, kind of trying to drive this new, uh, you know, this new NFT and um, you know, an IP concept to market. But, um, you know, they had pretty immediate success. And then in the corresponding three months, like the project just grew and grew and grew. A lot of influencers got on board with it, um, you know, not influencers just in Web3, but in general. And um, it very much became a household name. And I think the one thing that really stood out about the project, you know, not not only some of the new, you know, kind of the new strategies that they implemented, like gating the Discord and... Um, You know, the, you know, the whole company was kind of structured as a DAO from the very beginning where, you know, the Doodle Bank was established and anybody that owned a Doodle got a chance to actually vote on how the funds in the bank were used. We can talk more about that later, Um, you know, but the art, right? Like generally speaking, everybody really thought that the art coming out of this, it made them think a little bit, um, a little bit less narrowly about like what was possible from an NFT project. And they gained a lot of attention in the entertainment industry um, you know, they were trying to get represented by a lot of people and, uh, you know, they got thrust into this world and I met them pretty early. I met them in January and we had just started kind of a light relationship at that point. And I helped, you know, give them some ideas, like, you know, push them in the, you know, in a couple different directions on things that they were doing, helped them a little bit with their event at South by Southwest. And I think when South by hit, that was really the big moment for Doodles where people were like, okay, I really get it now. I I truly understand where this brand can go Um, because the web three space had not actually seen anything like that. It was the Doodles world brought to life in, um, you know, in an in real life setting at a non-endemic conference festival, which was South by Southwest. Um, So after that point, Doodles, you know, kind of just ran like, you know, the popularity, Everybody trying to get into the project. Like it was a really, really great moment. And it was around that time that we started talking really seriously about me coming on board and looking at Doodles not as much of uh, as a creator, you know, and somebody that needed to be represented, but more about a business. And that was, you know, when Yugo was raising and you yep. know, so rare and Pixel Vault and all these like big. Um, you know, these big capital checks got injected into these businesses. So, you know, that was a conscious decision at the time, like, let's actually go, let's actually go do this. And, um, you know, it took a few months, but then I ended up joining in May. Um, And since then, it has been a pretty, pretty wild ride. We've done a lot of behind the scenes infrastructure, foundational building um, to set us up for a lot of the product experiences that we're going to be delivering this year. Um, the space has obviously changed really significantly in that time. Um, but it's been a it's been a really fantastic learning experience for all of us and and we're very excited about the things that we get to share with everyone this year.
1: Yeah you guys had so much success with the just the PFps right like the, the just in terms of the price, like the price absolutely skyrocketed. Why did you guys make this transition from like, I mean you could have just continued being like a very successful like PFP project, I'd say, almost maybe in like the manner of punks. But you, you went the more like, um, I'd call it the board, the board Ape route, which is like building IP, building technology. You did a big external fundraise of like 50 some million bucks. Like, why go down that route?
0: I mean, I think that was part of the, the vision from the very beginning was that we believed that we, and I mean, even before we, the founders believed that, the, that NFT technology and the blockchain can usher in a whole new mindset around IP, premium IP, global IP, brands in general, um, you know, and how people are connected to it and how people are a part of it. And we saw our art as, you know, the the thing that might be the tip of the spear in bringing that concept to the world. Mm-hmm. We really believed that what, what we know how to do from a product and technology perspective And actually how to bring these solutions to market and build them internally, the art is as strong as any IP in the world. It's dynamic. It has the opportunity to be timeless. Um, And, and that was kind of, that was it. Like once, you know, I, I always hear this story about, um, you know, Jordan, Evan and Scott doing their first phone call. Um, It was a zoom call and uh, Scott just started drawing, you know, based on some of the things that they were talking about. And Jordan and Evan were like, shit like we we actually have ip on our hands this is yeah. a this is like completely a different opportunity than we even contemplated when we thought we were going to bring an nft project to life um you know so i'd say that that was kind of the goal from the very beginning it just took several turns of evolution as the space changed
1: yeah so take me into this so you joined them may of 2022 you were were you running billboard i think it was like i my understanding is you had kind of helped billboard uh, transition from this kind of like legacy B2B media company into this like very friendly consumer brand that, you know, millions of people watch the YouTube videos and stuff like that. And you linked up with them in May of 2022, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So I I have been in media, digital media specifically in entertainment pretty much my entire career. I started at Billboard in 2012 and it was a really interesting time in media was a really interesting time in music. Um, When I, just to put it in perspective, when I started at Billboard, music video streaming on YouTube didn't even count towards the Billboard charts. Like that was something that happened after I joined the company. And that's that's pretty significant because like YouTube streaming on the Hot 100 is a really significant driver of that ranking. Um, And that, you know, think of a time where that wasn't actually the case. It was really radio that was dominating the chart. so I got to the company and it was a company that was very challenged. Um, you know, the print magazine disruption was in full force, but it didn't disrupt Billboard as much because it already got so disrupted when the music industry changed with digital becoming so prevalent and uh, and dominating the consumption, um, you know, the consumption of uh, music fans. So Billboard kind of lost a lot of its... Um, you know, a, a lot of its revenue prior to that. And then when the print magazine, you know, die off started to happen, you know, and, and everybody was trying to shift into digital, um, it hit Billboard even harder. So when I got to the company, it was really run by like music industry executives, print magazine executives, people that didn't really have much of a clue on how to take it to that next level um, or, or how to change the brand. And I'll never forget like the first couple of weeks I was there, maybe even before I started, but... I looked at their YouTube channel and I saw that they had these music videos with Bruno Mars and Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran um, acoustic in their studio performing. And they were on the same press tour that like or the press stop list that like Saturday Night Live, all the late shows, like, you know, the big radio stations. Billboard actually had a play there and they had these videos that were racking up tens of millions of views on YouTube. And it was like, they have the best access to artists in the world as as good as anybody because of their credibility. And they're not, they don't know what to do with it. So there were a couple things that we suggested very early on to kind of change the narrative from, hey, Billboard isn't just a B2B, you know, music industry trade magazine. Billboard has an opportunity to be a truly consumer facing brand. I mean, the recognition for the brand is global. People know what Billboard is when you ask them because it's the authority mm. in music rankings. So anyway, long-winded way of saying we completely changed the direction. We started focusing on music bands. We launched social content. We did consumer-ticketed live events. Um, we tried to do distribution partnerships with technology companies. So like, how do we create products with Twitter? How do we create products with Instagram and YouTube, etc.? Um, that would help get the you know help increase the audience. And through that, more people were visiting the charts, the website, our social accounts and our audience just grew and grew and grew. And as such, brands, because you know Billboard monetized mainly through advertising and licensing its company, uh, licensing its brand, um, you know people started to advertise more because they wanted to reach music fans that like really desirable Gen Z, well, not Gen Z at the time, but millennial music fan. Um, and then we would license the brand to media operators around the world. And anyway, the point is, is as the audience grew, the, the revenue could diversify. And we basically, you know, 10, 20x the revenue in the first six years. Um, it was incredible. Billboard became, you know, what it always could have been, which was similar to what MTV was in the 90s, where if you had a question about music, if you had anywhere you wanted to go as a music destination it would be billboard and you'd show up across their channels on social. So through that, like development of the business and diversifying the revenue, that's really how I got into web three. I, I started to learn a little bit about NBA top shot in 2021, early 2021. And I was like, okay, that's really interesting. They're just monetizing the IP in a new way um and in a way that's like very technology forward it's this new you know it's this new system that like lets people be i mean what is an nba top shot right like it's a moment people are buying into that moment because they want to feel connected to that they want to collect that and the billboard charts are kind of similar right they have a you know a new music ranking every week a new music ranking every single day the only way that people celebrate those rankings and like achievement on those is screenshotting the chart and putting it on Instagram. Um, you know, so you'd get like Drake having three of the, you know, the top three songs in the hot 100 one week of his debut album, he broke records, broke like the Beatles record. It was a huge thing. And the way he celebrated was screenshotting it, putting it on Instagram. And then the only way the fan could participate was commenting on that post. Um, so it's pretty passive engagement. So the idea was like, let's build a product where you can actually create a closer bond between the artist and the fan, create a digital collectible that the fan can own. The artist all of a sudden can track its top collectors. And now that fan is actually connected to that moment in time because that collectible commemorates when that thing happened and it was minted on that day. Um, So that was really the idea. And we, you know, I ended up like working with Dapper to consult, build, you know, building a project, we, you know, seeded a development company to actually bring the bring the thing to life. And then, you know, through trying to like really get into Web3, like I just met a lot of people, I started some collaborations, like, we did a deal with Autograph and The Weekend for you know him breaking you know the record for number one song of all time with Blinding Lights. I did a collaboration with World of Women, and somewhere in that journey, I met the you know the Doodles team, and um, you know, and that's really kind of like where it took off because my experience in building IP and monetizing IP in new ways, but also like bringing you know Web three into new businesses and like integrating the two, like the skill set of you know Jordan, Evan, Scott, myself was completely complimentary and it was very clear yeah. early on based on the conversations yeah. we had. So that's kind of, that's how that all led to it. But it was, um, you know, it was a, it was a really incredible journey and it's a, it's been something I've been interested in for a while.
1: So, so then, so that was a, maybe take me into the future then, because the conversations that I was having at that, at the Doodles event last Tuesday was very, look, there was kind of the Doodles up until summer, 2022, then, George, uh, then Julian joins. Then you guys raise 54 million in September. Pharrell comes on board, and it was like, all right, Doodles is Doodles is here to play. And the long term vision, it sounds like, is you guys are building an ex Disney, which I don't know if you listen to that podcast I sent you about like Disney and the story and stuff like that. But I this this is timed up nicely because I've been reading a lot about Disney, and really, what you mean when you say you're building a Disney is you are building a world class IP house. So I'd love to get your vision into like. How you actually go about kind of achieving that that vision here?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to to build any IP house, you need a hit first, right? And and we believe Doodles really? is going to be our Doodles is already a hit. You need, you need we the we Mickey Mouse. Yeah, yeah, we need. I mean, I, I better a better comp than Disney. I think is uh, is like Pixar or Nintendo. And then one day it kind of builds into a Disney because Disney yeah. at this stage is just a straight up media conglomerate that owns things that people don't even associate with the cartoon characters. Um, you know, so, so yeah, one day Disney, but that's like a, you know, it's like a 90 year journey. Um, but, people
1: in crypto, yeah, People in crypto media are often like, oh, you're building like a Bloomberg. I'm like, well, yeah, but like Bloomberg does $10 billion a year. And like, as 90% margin. So yeah, we'll, we'll get there, but it might take a couple of years. So. It, yeah, <laughs> there's just,
0: there's these milestones, you know? Yeah. Like, like I, I like the Pixar comp because, um, you know, the company, the company was founded on the principle of creating technology that would ultimately change formats for, um, you know, for the consumer. So at the end of the day, they were developing that, um, you know, computer animated filmmaking technology for years before Toy Story came out. Toy Story comes out, and then that technology is brought to the world through characters that people love, not because they knew how the technology worked or what was underlying that story. At the end of the day, the tech made Toy Story possible, but, a, but, but Toy Story made the adoption of the tech possible. And that, that, I think, is the closest parallel to what we're building right now. And Doodles is going to be our Toy Story. But as this grows, You know, are there more and more opportunities surrounding the Doodles brand and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then there's an opportunity to bring another IP to the world. Um, Are there partnerships that we can create with really, really big IP operators that might need help coming into Web3 Mm -hmm. because it's a very complicated place and some of the biggest brands in the world have failed pretty terribly. Um, You know, working with Doodles to consult on some of those things so long as our IP can be developed through the things that they know how to do well that can be a pillar. And then the thing that's sitting in between those two pillars of the business is creative. Like we just acquired a world-class creative studio. So we believe that we have all the pieces in place to start to execute, not to start to execute, but to continue to execute on our vision and really level that up. Um, You know, so I think what you're going to see is like major development of the IP this year, reaching new audiences Um, You know, actually getting products out there that are outside the NFT ecosystem that the NFTs will actually be connected to um, and the community will be connected to creating lore that ultimately ties back to product experiences, because I think that's such an incredible opportunity that has never existed before. Like you can test story and IP in completely new ways through NFTs, um, and that's going to be something that we continue to experiment with. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what we're trying to build is a world class IP house that is, you know, made possible through the implementation of blockchain community and NFT technology. Like I think Web3 is a strategy and a strategy that is made possible by the blockchain. Like you can't do all the things that we say we're going to do without the blockchain. So that's that's kind of where we where we come at it from.
2: So as a skeptic listening to that, what do you mean by that? Like, what exactly can you do with through the blockchain that Disney, some other media houses can't do? I mean, I just,
0: I like to kind of point to some real world examples, right? Like people love collecting things, you know, people collect basketball jerseys, people collect, you know, plushies, people collect a lot of different things. Um, And people will pay premiums for things that have a narrative attached to them. People will pay premiums for things that like are attached to different moments in time that Michael Jordan basketball jersey sold for $10 million, that Kobe Bryant won seven and a half. The problem with all that is that for physical goods and, and that collecting ecosystem, it's actually really difficult to quant- Like It's difficult to um, corroborate. It's difficult to scale. It's difficult to authenticate. Um, and, and you see like really high profile examples of people getting scammed out of that stuff. Right? Like I think there was that famous example of Logan Paul buying a, uh, three and a half million dollar box of first edition Pokemon cards, ultimately finding out that they were fake. Um, And the blockchain is provenance, right? Like the blockchain tracks everything and completely solves that problem. So, okay, sure, you can connect the blockchain to physical goods. But really, the, the interesting thing here is the fact that people already care about digital goods. And that trend is only progressing, right? Like, you talk to any, you know, 13 year old or a parent of, you know, an eight year old, and, you know, their kids are buying as much as they can on Roblox. They want the new skins in Fortnite. Like digital goods are a thing and that trend is only increasing. So if the, the problem with the, the digital goods marketplace and ecosystem right now is that most of them only exist within these closed environments, right? So like you buy all this Roblox stuff, it only exists there. That's the only identity that you have with it. Um, you know, Fortnite, same thing. The blockchain gives you an opportunity to seamlessly bring experiences from place to place to place and potentially connect into your everyday life. Therefore, fostering this whole new concept of a real world of of the assets that you own and your identity associated with those assets because you can use them in many places, being built alongside a fictional world of characters that you love and IP that you love and stories that Mm. you love, and that hasn't really existed before. It's mindset shifting technology. Because if I can take an NFT that I own and I can use that as a character in a gaming environment, I can use that to go into a cafe and get a secret menu. I can use that to get a, access to a VIP area of a music tour. I can use that to get VIP treatment at you know doodles events. I can use that to license character traits or characteristics to the brand to use in their media, whether it be music videos or movies, right? It's also upgradable. You know, it's part of who you are socially. You communicate with all these different people around the world through it. Mm-hmm. You know, that sense of identity comes to life in a completely different way than it than it really ever has, therefore making you feel a lot closer to the brand mm-hmm. and the actual of it, I I think that's only truly scalable through the blockchain. I think the blockchain is the most efficient thing to connect every single touchpoint of a brand's ecosystem, credibly, scalably, et cetera.
2: Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about like who's buying Doodles and when you think about engagement and the? Uh, I just want to understand like you know the price of Doodles has gone down ninety percent. Do you think that that impacts your ability to create culture and a lasting brand when people are focused on the price or do you think that people are not really focused on the price and just love the doodle and don't really care that, you know, they're holding a bag that's down 90%? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think like our current community cares and it's not something that we don't pay attention to. I certainly don't think it's the definition of a company. Um, I think if that is going to be the definition of a company, that's going to be pretty sad for the entire space long term. Um, but what I can say is that as the brand scales and as more people, you know, become aware of it, the the idea that people are not gonna want the, you know, the kind of ultimate thing in the ecosystem, you know, which is the original collection. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't really subscribe to that idea. And I think the challenge is is we're getting caught a little bit in we're executing long-term vision preparing ourselves for that eventual, people will want to come into this ecosystem. And if you can't onboard them in the right way, you might lose them forever. Um, and by the way, I'm not saying like our approach is the right approach and there's no other approach, right? Like we just believe that that our approach is the right approach. It's been a bit controversial, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, floor price matters to our core collectors. And it matters to Web three as it exists at large today. So it's certainly something that we pay attention to, but we can't let it we can't let it hurt the long term vision and the build of the company. Um, but what we can do is make sure that we're listening to people's feedback and what they actually want, which will hopefully turn sentiment and make people like our core goal right now is to make sure like we don't want people to sell their doodles at all, right? Like. We like when things are you know have like you know only a small amount listed Mm -hmm. and people are actually using them so what we're trying to figure out is like how do you give people more of what they want whether that be more digital goods access to certain events uh limited access to like you know physical merchandise drops that we're going to do licensing opportunities um, you know, we we just con- like completely revamp the doodle bank to be completely in service of the community and make sure that our company is aligned um, you know, with the like incentives are aligned between the company and the holders of the original NFTs. Um, you know, so. So, yeah, I mean, I do think it's a challenge, but if we can figure out how to make the people that are here today feel really good about what we're doing while extending the brand into new places, no one knew coming in. I don't believe is going to be as concerned with the floor price. Um, You know, like, and I just like a practical example is if we're doing, you know, a flagship retail experience this summer, and you have a bunch of like, you know, 16 year olds coming into the event and not in the event, into the store. And they're loving the art. They're loving the t-shirts. They're loving all these different things. They're loving the content. Um, I, I don't know that they're really going to pay attention to floor price until you know until it it won't really matter because they love the brand so much
1: mm-hmm. All right quick break from the show there is this kind of overused cliche saying in crypto but it's true, bear markets are building, and everyone tells you that. And everyone knows it. What people don't know is that if you're building apps in crypto and building apps in Web3 without using QuickNode, you are building on hard mode. So QuickNode is is this amazing blockchain development platform. It reduces costs, streamlines the time to market for your app, and it offers consistent performance at scale. For folks that have built apps, you will know that there are a couple key points here. One, QuickNode offers unlimited endpoints across 18 different chains and 35 different networks. They have response times that are two and a half times faster than any of their competitors, 99.99% uptime and a dedicated 24 seven customer support team. If you've been listening to Empire for a while, you might know that I am no gigabrain developer, but I do know a lot of devs and a lot of great product teams at other places. So when I see Coinbase and Twitter and Adobe and OpenSea and Dune Analytics, all leveraging and trusting Quicknode to power their business, that's when we get excited and that's when we want to partner with them. They're the best solution for any leading crypto and Web3 company that is seeking an end-to-end blockchain development platform right out of the box. So my message to you, get off hard mode, let Quicknode handle the blockchain infrastructure, let Quicknode handle the security, let Quicknode handle the performance while you focus on building beautiful products for your users visit quicknode.com super easy you can use code empire you'll get a free month on their build plan so don't forget to use code empire santi and i got to get credit for this one so they know that we sent you and you will get a first month free hope you guys enjoy it all right folks it is time to talk about one of my and a lot of your favorite DeFi protocols synthetics Synthetix has been pushing the limit in DeFi innovation since 2017 and has just started its most exciting transition yet with Synthetix V3. With Synthetix V3, any protocol can now tap into Synthetix liquidity to bootstrap derivatives markets. The transition has already started with Synthetix Perps. Synthetix Perps taps into Synthetix's liquidity layer and is a new primitive that developers can leverage to launch DeFi derivatives. The Perps product has been going incredibly well so far. Hopefully you've seen it. It's had some great traction, hitting 500 million in daily volume this March. We know that liquidity rules DeFi and Synthetix is becoming the modular liquidity layer for DeFi derivatives. As a trader, you can trade synthetics perps with low fees in over 20 different markets at quenta.io, decentrix.com, and polynomial.phi. And this opportunity set keeps growing with 10 new partners in the pipeline ready to launch integrations on top of synthetics, including front ends, structured products, and institutional offerings. The team gave me a sneak peek of all this stuff. It's really cool. Would really recommend you check out synthetics.io forward slash perps to learn more. And if you're looking to build on synthetics, hop into their Discord server, reach out to the team directly. Make sure to tell them that Empire and Santi and Yano sent you again Synthetix.io forward slash perps. You can also hop into the Discord server and reach out to the team directly. Julian, what do you think of what do you think of as the business model behind all of this? Because so Block Blockworks launched NFTs and they were called permis, and they got you access to permissionless um which is our one of our big conferences and if you own a permit you get access to blockworks research and it's also permissionless uh like a lifetime pass but what you start playing around with when you run an nft collection is like hey the business model here is like a little wonky it's kind of like a subscription but you know you don't you can't like launch but like you know some platforms don't support royalties now and then like if you launch a new collection then you know you're kind of diluting the earlier collection so When I hear you talking about, I mean, I know you're getting away from the, from Disney for a second, but like, so I love that vision. But then when you think about Disney, like they had Mickey Mouse, but then they had Pluto and Goofy and, and, and Minnie and things like that. But in NFT land, if you launch like another collection, well, the OG doodles holders are probably going to be like, well, Julian, what are you doing, man? You're, you're diluting the original holder. So like, when when you think about these in-person experiences, partnerships with big brands, like what's the business model of all this? Yeah. I mean, there's
0: kind of two tracks that need to connect. And one track is building the value of the original token, the Doodles original collection. And how do you build the value of that? You make people really want to hold onto it. How are you going to make people really want to hold onto it? They're going to get things that they want. Right. And I think that the challenge in Web3 right now is that what people want differs from person to person. Hmm. Um, You know, so, but, but I, I don't think it's something that's completely insurmountable. What we're going to do is make like it's it's a membership at the end of the day by holding that token. And it just happens to be connected to this historic piece of art, which is a one of 10,000 know, original burnt toast with varying levels of rarity. But the membership that comes along with that is very much part of the business model. If people want to hold on to these NFTs and there's demand that's being generated around these NFTs, because you get access to the new apparel drop that we're going to do, that's insanely limited edition with a really global apparel brand. Um, you know, that's going to be something that you get as a holder. Sometimes you're going to get things that are free. Sometimes you're just going to get access to things. Sometimes they're going to be discounts, but there's going to be a whole ecosystem of rewards. And then as a holder, you're also going to get the opportunity to participate in the Doodle Bank, which is a fund that's going to create you know opportunities for creators to use our IP, for entrepreneurs to use our IP, Um, you know, for people that want to bring the Doodles brand, uh, you know, in real life experiences around the entire world. So I'd say like you get access to this entire ecosystem of benefits and rewards just by holding this actual NFT. And then as we grow the business around that, right? So think like merchandising, think, uh, you know, content development, think live experiences kind of everywhere that big IP companies Mm -hmm. operate today you know, and and all of that business can ultimately trickle down into more and more experiences for the original NFT holder, that is pretty special and exponential. And if we could figure out a way, you know, that there is, you know, like the sale of NFTs, even though, it's, you know, their royalties right now are only 0.5%, it's still not like, you know, it's not immaterial,
1: right? Like there's yeah. still...
0: There's still a decent amount of revenue that's generated from that, and Dude, that do- will only go off. if the price goes up. goes
1: up, and that spits off a bunch of royalties. That's one side of this, and then like Doodle's IP gets super valuable, develop more content, brand gets big, and you make money in the same way that traditional IP houses make money, which is tickets to events, merch, clothing, movies, things like that. Is that
0: no? And that, that's exactly right. And then connecting those two ends of the you know of the experience is something that doesn't really exist today, right? Like you, you think about you think about where how most people engage with IP today, it's, you know, you go to a movie, you buy the t-shirt, maybe you play the video game, you watch the content, whatever it is, but that's it. You're basically a passive participant. But in the Doodles community, you got access to this membership. There's also all these like-minded people around you that you can interact with and be a part of. You use the IP almost as your social identity in a way, and then you get access to all these real life things like our goal is going to be bringing the world into our universe creatively and from like a strategic standpoint, and then bringing our universe to the world in, you know, in, in real life formats. And the the cool thing is, is that there's going to be this real world dynamic and ecosystem that exists and also this fictional Um, ecosystem that exists with our characters and the stories and the setting and all that. And then they're going to crash into each other at times, therefore making our holders truly feel like they're part of our universe. Like their identity is growing with whoever our Woody is going to be and whoever our Buzz Lightyear is going to be. And oftentimes you're going to see the things that these people own in that content. You know, so if we are successful and Doodles does become a household name, the holders of the
1: NFTs will actually have been part of that, whether directly or indirectly from the very beginning. And then does that get licensed? So like, let's say I'm Doodles holder number 5568 or something, and I've got a cool rainbow coming down. I've got a pink background and, you know, some, some big brands like Adidas says, I love that Doodles. I really want to work with that Doodles. And they approach you guys or something. Can they like, do they, how does that work? Do they license that Doodle from the user and that specific user and holder Gets, uh, gets royalties or how does, yeah, how does that work?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, this is the way we're, first of all, in that like very specific example, like if Adidas came to us and said they wanted to use a very specific doodle in the collection, we would 100% broker that relationship between the holder and Adidas. Um, but think of it more like, hey, we have our first music video coming out or we have our first show coming out or we're doing our first line of like, you know, like truly scaled toys. We will approach people in the community to license certain traits or characteristics from the original collection to actually build some of that out. It's not going to happen for every single thing that we do, but it is a core part of our strategy and actually developing the IP. We want the product mm. and the lore to be intrinsically connected. And we want the community to be intrinsically connected to the lore. So if there's somebody that's rocking their PFP and has been for a really long time and is really engaged in the community and cares very much about its development, that person will likely have an opportunity to bring their doodle into the fictional world and get paid for it. So there's like representation and identity. Like, let's say, you know, extrapolate a little bit, right? Like we have, you know, we have a movie coming out and there's millions of people around the world that are looking at that movie. If There are like, you know, a hundred people that got to license things into that movie. Even if all those millions of people have no idea where those characters came from, those hundred people do, right? And those hundred people are going to feel connected to it in a way that has never existed in fandom in history. Um, And they're going to get paid for it, which is pretty special too. So that's, uh, that's kind of how we see, you know, the two, you know, IRL and fictional worlds coming together, representation, identity, IP development
1: all that. Will you grow the character development by building your own things in-house or will you acquire other, like, could you acquire, could you do what, uh, shoot, what's the larva did and go, acqu- you know, mash together punks and the apes and start acquiring other NFT brands. I guess, do you, do, do you build it in-house? Do you do it externally? How do you think about that?
0: Yeah. I, so I, I think for us, IP development, like I'm specifically talking about doodles, right? So if doodles yep. is okay. our toy story or our Pokemon. Um, You know, you build within that universe, right? So everything that we do is going to be within that universe. When we talk about starting new IP, it would be a completely different thing running 100% parallel. So, you know, you look at Illumination or Pixar, you know, like Lightning McQueen and Woody, they're not in the same worlds, right? Like the Minions and Secret Life of Pets, they're not in the same worlds. So that would be like, yeah, that will be an eventuality. Like we will probably acquire other IP, we will probably build new IP, but the core focus right now is Doodles. And we're not going to do any of that stuff until Doodles is legitimately a hit.
1: Hmm. How do how do uh, big brands tie into this? Like how, how do the Adidas's of the world tie in?
0: Yeah. I mean, so big brands, um, you know, they, they reach new people, right? Like they drive energy into a community. There's things that these big brands do that our community wants. Like I kind of look at it very much like the live events that we've done. So we operate at South by Southwest. We did Art Basel last year. These are some of the biggest cultural tentpoles in the world. Um, Cultural tentpoles that maybe a lot of our community did not have a chance to go to, let alone like be the most VIP people at the biggest events that there are there. Um, And then we do South by Southwest and our holders get like the best treatment at the entire festival and it, and doodles at South by last year, like was the event. Everybody was talking yep. about it. Was that, doodle was that, putt that, was that the putting? No, no, that was Art basil. So oh, basil. Art basil, was, yeah, but a similar thing. Right. So like, not only, you know, are you kind of going to these events, but you also have like the premium ticket in town and it's the VIP ticket at doodle yep. putt. Um, I kind of look at that the same way with these big brands is, you know, these big brands are going to create things that, you know, everybody wants, or, you know, maybe not everybody, but a definite subset of our communities will want. So can we give them access to these collaborations that are going to be, you know, kind of looked at on a global scale, right? How do we partner with global brands, create really cool things with them, and then give our community access um, that the general public does not have? That's, that's kind of what we're doing. And in turn with that, so not only are you providing value back to your community, but you're also extending the reach of your brand. And with Golden Wolf now on board, all the content that we create from these partnerships is the goal of that is going to be to make people fall in love with the brand, the aesthetic, the actual content creation. So you're kind of hitting both ends of the spectrum on, um, you know, on these partnerships. You're providing value, but you're also extending the reach and, and gaining new, hmm. new, you know, new
1: followers, new collectors. I'm trying to put myself into into your shoes I I imagine your job is pretty tough because you have to balance things that um, are like culturally relevant and have are like creatively successful but commercially might not be the most successful things and there's the story of um of uh of Disney when he was starting out he had like I think it was called Laughograph Studios which was like very culturally relevant and like everybody loved it and there were these like short films that went at the beginning of movies and like it kind of put him on the map but it also lost a ton of money and like bankrupted him. So like, how do you think about that dichotomy between, yeah, you could go spend several million bucks and do this like huge cultural event for the doodles holders, but like, there's no revenue that you're generating from that. So how how do you balance that? Well, we we've
0: pretty materially shifted our focus in that, you know, the, 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 the idea is not going to be that we're going to show up every quarter with some crazy show stopping event it's going to be that we need to build a business around something that is a little bit more evergreen. Mm -hmm. So, so yes, we will do things like South by yes, we will do things like Art Basel again, but the core focus this year is taking a smaller yet very doodles type of activation to a number of different places around the world this year scaled down, but really invest in this flagship retail experience that we're launching in the summer Um, where it's, there's a business going to be built around that, that is not completely reliant on monetizing our community. In fact, that is not going to be the goal at all. The goal is going to be making sure that the community just has kind of free reign at that, um, you know, at that experience, but building, you know, like, like the whole concept is kind of like reinventing what a Chuck E. Cheese might look like today, Hmm. right? So like, it's people having something to do with their families, It's creating really cool merchandise drops. It's, you know, a ticketed experience that is going to bring people into our world in a really material way, but you're going to get to leave with something that you created there. Um, And that's going to live for, you know, at least a year. Um, So we're starting to test the ground, like building a business around that. Um, You know, these collaborations, like, yeah, we can reward our community and still sell to new people along the way, right? Like some of these big apparel brands. Some of these big IP brands that we're going to be partnering with, some of these musicians that we're going to be partnering with, they have huge fan bases of audiences that don't really, like they'll buy NFTs from them, but they'll also buy toys from them. They'll also buy apparel from them. So there actually is a business in partnerships. And if you can bring some of those new audiences in while creating margin on those partnerships, um, you know, and you get a chance for them to want, you get a chance to like convert them to your brand. And then all of a sudden they want the stuff that's wholly owned by you you know, that's really how it all starts. It's kind of like a snowball.
1: Yeah. Um, can we talk about the Flow deal? Yeah, of course. So my, here's here's my understanding of it is you, So you have Doodles, like origin, the OG Doodles are basically on ETH, and then you guys launched Doodles 2, uh, which I'm sure some of this is wrong, but you got to correct me. Doodles 2, and Doodles 2 got launched on Flow. Um, and I think there were some, this was like the loudest I've seen your guys' community in terms of like bit upset about this decision and like, didn't really understand the why behind it. So maybe if you could just walk us through the the whole flow deal and like the, how that worked, what went down, why you guys made this decision that I think that'd be interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So flow is kind of two, two angles for why we decided to build this product there. And this product was really meant to perpetuate a lot of the stuff that our community loves today, right? Like when it comes to social identity. People pick their doodle and then they rock their doodle as their PFP. It's kind of like the standard thing in in Web3 and NFTs. But even more than that, they create derivative artwork on it. They actually, you know, know each other through their PFP, our community, Um, you know, but oftentimes you kind of have to sacrifice one trait for the next. You never have your perfect doodle. As much as people say they have their perfect doodle, there's always a little thing that they might change. So creating a fully customizable doodle, a platform where you can create the doodle of your dreams, like we really think is going to foster that i that concept of identity a little bit more, especially if it doesn't come with all the same perks that the original collection has. So doodles too is really meant to be like an expression of yourself that is then also going to be able to give you access to all of the really cool physical drops that we're going to do, um, you know, All of the big brand partnerships that we're going to execute most of that stuff is actually going to be executed through the doodles Two platform and the reason for that is because when we do a partnership with a big apparel brand or a musician or um you know or a big ip company you need to be able to bring people into the web3 ecosystem in a pretty frictionless way so they need familiarity and it is and onboarding people into the original collection is not familiar one from a price perspective Two, from a user experience perspective and three, just from the entire web three ecosystem, you know, people are not used to it. So, you know, they'd rather kind of just like shy away, but if you can get them into a familiar experience, like the Dapper wallet and the onboarding system through the Flow blockchain, it's actually pretty easy. And then once they're in, you have an opportunity to educate these people. You have an opportunity to bring these people a little bit further as we like to call it down the funnel. So doodles too, Yes, it's going to be a character builder. It's going to be this awesome. Like some of the art, you know, we we basically released the Genesis Box wearables and the Duplicator wearables. The character builder is launching very, very soon, um, and you know, people are now going to be able to create the duel of their dreams. There's going to be collaborations, so then they're going to be able to use those collabs in digital wearables on um you know on your character builder. Those digital wearables are going to be linked to physical items that are like really limited edition that people are going to want to get their hands on. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, the the cool thing is, is that it's really, it kind of lives on its own track where the whole Ethereum product ecosystem that we're building, um, you know, it's not just around the original collection. It's emanating from the original collection, but that is the center of everything that we do. Doodles too is an extension of our brand that's ultimately going to, you know, give people, you know, kind of a different opportunity within the ecosystem and also give people an easy entry into the ecosystem.
1: Hmm. Why flow though? I mean, from, from like, I guess my point of view, like flow is about as like walled garden, like private kind of blockchain as, as, as you can get. So like they've done good, I, th- I think UI UX experiences with, with top shots. And I think they were one, I think they were probably the first to introduce like use a credit card to buy an NFT, but from the kind of like bottoms up community ethos side of things, it, they feel very like not permissionless, like kind of closed off. Um, so I'm just, I'm curious like why I go with flow there.
0: I mean, I think a lot of the criticisms that people have about Flow are a little outdated, mm-hmm. um, and, and I would actually encourage people to really understand more about the protocol itself and kind of the path that they're taking towards decentralization and how decentralized it actually is today. Um, when we when we started concepting the plan, um, you know, we we had a lot of opportunities, right? Like there were people that offered us like. $50 million to build on their protocol on doodles too. You, you uh, got to tell us who Julian. Is I this can't, know? I cannot, <laughs> that is not my way. But, but my, my point is, is like flow was frankly like the lowest, um, like the, the opportunity with flow was very much rooted in how can we actually bring this product to life? And it's a product that really, you know, doesn't exist today. And a lot of the technology that we're building is proprietary technology. Um, you know, so the, the first of all, like the frictionless onboarding experience, the composability of the chain, what the chain is actually technically capable of doing relative to what we want this product to be long-term, all of our developers, everybody that was involved in concepting the product. Um, it was clear that this was, that this was the best place to build it. Um, and frankly, like. It shouldn't it shouldn't define our strategy, right? Like just because one product lives on this protocol doesn't mean we're abandoning Ethereum and decentralization and ownership of digital assets. like we very much intend to continue to build on that track. like we have incredible stuff launching this year. Um, you know, it just happened that this was that flow was the best place for
1: this yeah. specific product use case. Gotcha. How, can I ask how much Flow paid for this? I mean, they've got to pay something, I, right? <laughs> I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to get into
0: the, the commercial arrangements. All, all I'll tell you is like Flow, like every blockchain, has been doing developer grants for people to build on their on their platforms. Um, you know, there are a lot of blockchains out there that were paying like really, really fat minimum guarantees to get, uh, you know, to get people on their chain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and what we ended up deciding to go forward with was, uh, was product over everything.
2: What, um, what's like the bull case here? Like, what are you, the end goal for you? What would be your measure of success for doodles in, in like the I mean, next, I would say two years.
0: Next two years. Yeah. Like, a brand and characters with heat on them that are growing at a really exponential rate and the community, the original NFT, and our whole digital collectible ecosystem being tied to the majority of those experiences. That, that is really what success would look like for me. Mm-hmm. And if people really feel like they're connected to our brand, like our core community does today, um, I, I really think you're going to change the way people think about IP and where they spend their time. Um, yeah. If people truly feel like they're part of your universe um, and, and they are a character in the, in the world that is doodles, I really, I, I don't think, I think video games and like card games have gotten the closest to that. Um, I think this amplifies that concept even more. Mm-hmm. I think it's mindset shifting technology and strategy.
2: When you think about like the price, f- like, you know, it's roughly what, five thousand, like two and a half ETH. So, you know, call it 5,000 bucks. Like, what's your take on balancing scarcity with abundance in how you build a community and the value that you drive through utility.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So you want the majority of the utility or at least the best utility to trickle down into the most scarce, you know, group of people. Right. And, and basically what we're saying is, is that the top tier memberships, our black card, right? Like if you want to put it in kind of, um, you know, credit card tiers, Mm -hmm. our black card There's only 10,000 of them and there will only ever be 10,000 of them. So no matter how big the brand gets, whether it's, you know, a million people following from around the world or a billion people following from around the world, only 10,000 people will ever have access to this super premium, um, you know, VIP experience. And, you know, we know that this concept exists in other areas of the world, right? Like there's a secret club within Disney for people that get the crazy VIP treatment, I mean, nobody even knows about it. But get the crazy VIP treatment at Disneyland throughout the entire ecosystem. Like, you know, there's concierge key for American Airlines. There's Soho House. There's social club memberships. Like, we know if that if the membership is valuable, people will pay a premium for it. Um, and we want that for the original collection. We want we want the utility of the original collection um, to come through in a number of different ways. Some of it being access to events, some of it being access to new products, some of it being, you know, free things, some of it being, um, you know, some of it being like things that people truly want. Um, and if all of that also maps to how we're building our story and how we're building our, you know, the, the ecosystem around doodles, um, you know, we, we believe that over time, um, you know, people will value that more and more.
2: How do you think about uh, attention and getting that in a space where, I guess, you know, when you're a very centralized company like Disney at inception, my understanding, like or even Pixar or DreamWorks, like there was a instrumental kind of figurehead that drove it forward. And you talk about lore and getting the community involved. How maybe if you can talk to us about how you plan on getting the community Like, I guess through ownership, you feel part of the Doodles ecosystem. And, you you know, that represents some stake in the project and the ecosystem and whatever comes next. But like, how do you balance the internal creative team with the community wanting to drive input and be a part of building this company? You know, it's sort of this tension between centralization, decentralization, while also trying to like really be a creative genius, which is like a very much a centralized thing, I believe, or has sure. been historically.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, that's a fantastic question because Scott has been developed, toast has been developing this IP for a long time, right? Like he's dedicated his entire life to his craft and he really believed that Doodles was the way to scale it in a way that, you know, he he really wanted for himself. So the, the direction of the creative and the characters and everything like that is all going to be driven by him. But what's so cool about Web3 is that you can actually build like Web3 IP could be like a complete anthology where there could be a million different stories that unfold and a number of different universes of characters. Some are the official ones that are driven by the company, by the brand in that centralized manner that you mentioned. But some of that is also just the community doing what they do. And we actually want to empower that because... There might be aspects of that that we want to bring into the vision of the company and actually build it into our roadmap, or some of it can just be, you know, kind of living on its own. And anybody that's associated with the Doodles brand, if they stumble upon it, like, might want to take part in that, just the same way that people stumble upon, like, you know, UGC games in Roblox or the stuff, you know, the creator tools in Fortnite. Um, so that that is something we certainly want to empower, which is why we reimagined the Doodle Bank a little bit, um, because. There's basically like four buckets of the Doodle Bank, entrepreneurship, building businesses off of our IP, and content creation are two of the core pillars of it. So if you can actually empower people to build businesses and to build new ecosystems, you know, with the Doodles IP, and you can fund it, and if it's a good enough idea, or if it's something that we want to align with our roadmap, you can, right? The community council votes on it. They're the ones that push it through. That extends the reach of the brand and it also empowers the community because not only did, you know, not only were they able to use the things that they own and use the IP of the company, but it was also funded by the company. Um, Same thing with creators, right? Like we have all these fantastic creators, ton of great thread writers on, on Twitter. How do you equip those people with more tools, right? Tools can be equipment, tools can be strategic alliances, it can be infrastructure, it can be a number of different things that come with growing your own brand. So if the Doodle Bank can actually help fund some of those initiatives, you then have this whole world of experiences and content and businesses and events that are being developed by the community. Some of that stuff, I I mean, in a crazy world, could get bigger than some of the things that we're creating at Doodles. And I think that's what's really special, like the idea of like being able to decentralize your content and experience output in partnership with your community is something that we really believe in. And it's, it's why we've kind of reimagined the doodle bank to make it easier mm-hmm. to access funds and to make it more aligned with where we're going. So the community has like clear, Hey, this, this is worth the effort because it's, it's really going in a similar mm-hmm. direction. Um, and there's ju- there's just more transparency with the community that way as yeah. well.
2: You mentioned the uh, doodle bank. Can you talk a little bit about that? What that actually means?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the doodle bank, um, you know the company was kind of formed around the doodle bank the doodle bank is basically a community or it was a community still is a community fund treasury um, that was funded by secondary sales of the original collection so every time you know doodle traded a percentage of that would go in the doodle bank the doodle bank funds would be used in the early stages to scale the team to do events any great ideas that the community had they could tap into the fund and potentially get capital deployed um, and anybody that owned a doodle Could vote and um, basically, like, you'd have to put a proposal through to actually get money out of the Doodle Bank. Um, But anybody that owned a Doodle had a vote on whether or not that money could get deployed. Um, We reimagined it a little bit to kind of maintain that same integrity of it being truly a community driven fund. Um, Now that, like, Doodles as a team does not need to tap into it to scale its business. So this is now really about delivering more value to the original NFT. So right now there's over $5 million in in Ethereum in the fund. Um, People can put a proposal through the community council, which we're establishing as we speak, applications are actually coming in this week, um, is going to review that proposal, work with the Doodles team internally, and then we're gonna deploy capital for people to build businesses, creator opportunities, events or things that they want to be part of our rewards program so again like what does the actual nft holder want somebody came up with a great idea on a spaces the other day hey i'd love if doodles could partner with like all the concert halls in the world and get a vip section at every concert um, you know every concert for a given year Um, logistically that will be impossible but that concept is interesting right like can you do a deal with Live Nation or AEG where you do get a VIP booth at, you know, a hundred concerts that literally is global and doodle holders maybe get to go for free or they get access there, or whatever it might be. Does the like do does the community think that, the, that that is a good use of the doodle bank's funds? Maybe, maybe not. But there's a number of those ideas that the community are going to have to drive more value back to actually owning the original Doodles NFT, along with all the stuff that we're going to be doing as a business to drive value to it as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Which uh, NFT project, not Doodles, do you look up to the most?
0: I mean, I think a lot of people are doing great work right now. Like mm-hmm. it's um, it's a really exciting time. Like I, I, I'll answer your question directly in a second, but I just it's a yeah. really exciting time in the space because I think um you know last year it it was it, it was a difficult place to navigate web3 because it was very difficult to see what was real and what wasn't real and i think now you're starting to see product and partnerships and and promises actually being delivered um which you know last year it was all kind of just hopes and dreams so Obviously, like the stuff that Yuga is doing with other side and trying to build, you know, the next Fortnite or Roblox, um, you know, that that's incredible. Especially if they can pull that off, the stuff Azuki's doing is amazing, just from like a brand perspective and you know IP development. I find that uh, our journeys are a little similar. Um, you know, big fan of what Luca and Pudgies are doing too. Um, I just think like there's there's a lot of examples like that of of people really trying to use the technology to develop IP in different ways, um, and I think what's also cool is that every like people are kind of like establishing lanes right now, um, and and you're kind of seeing the differences in uh you know in each project, and certain things are getting celebrated more than others because it aligns you know more with what exists in the space today. I think we're under the um, mindset that, you know, things change really, really frequently. So the narrative that exists today might not be the narrative that exists in, you know, three months, six months. Um, but I, I mean, I mean, my blanket statement on that is anybody that's like working their asses off every day in this space, completely in public with every single opinion in the world is doing, uh, is really doing great work. Like it's, I, I don't want to say that it's, it's not easy because This, you know, like we're thinking of, we're talking about like creating characters and stories and dealing with colors and art and like it's amazing, it's a blessing, Um, you know. But it is, it is hard to go after, you know, what all of us are going after.
1: You do not have an easy job, my friend.
0: (laughs) Um. I, you know, I think, I think I do. I think I do. I think, like I, we really, we really love what we're doing here. I mean, like I, you can't give people a very like as much as people say build in public build in public it's not quite that simple right because then you're just going to end up like defaulting on a million promises that you tried to deliver but at the end of the day like the stuff we're working on like color the world with joy create these characters like put smiles on people's faces like when i used to do events at billboard and you would throw a live event you just saw how people reacted to live music it was it was like the best feeling in the world I really can't wait for people to see some of the stuff that we're doing and how they react to it. And yeah. you know, the cool thing about Web three is you get the feedback
1: immediately, <laughs> both good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh No, no. I mean, we've we have a uh, so cat works at Blockworks and sh- big shout out to JKB and like they've they've done some amazing work and like I've just seen the kind of like bottoms up effort from the community of Doodles like really pushing this forward. So it's been cool. I think uh, two two like two last questions here. One is um when you think about content creation and building ip here do you think about this from a building it for the gen z audience for the millennial audience for like an adult audience or do you maybe approach it from from maybe that's the wrong question because something like spider-man has content for 10 year olds 20 year olds and 50 year olds alike like how how do you think about who your audience is here
0: yeah i love that you spider-man i use that example all the time it's um it's it's any true timeless ip can adapt to multiple formats, can adapt to multiple artistic um, iterations, and Spider-Man I think is the perfect example because you know you have live action, you have like Into the Spider-Verse, which was a whole nother level of animation detail. You know you have Spidey and His Amazing Friends, which might like you know I have a toddler and a five-year-old that are obsessed with that. So like it really does span generations. Um, you know obviously that IP has come a very very long way. Um, but I do think the best IP is, um, you know, is able to be adapted. So I think what we're going for is really that, um, you know, that like young millennial Gen Z kind of core audience with the opportunity for the brand to actually scale down into the children's lane. Um, but not like Melon or Paw Patrol. Like, I, I don't think we're ever going to be there. I think a better comp would be something more in the line of, you know, a Minions or, or a Spider-Man or something like that. Um, You know, so I'd say you're going to start to see some of that unfold this year. Um, And, you know, there's going to be a lot of tests, right? Like we acquired a world-class animation studio so we can start to create more content with, you know, a lot more alacrity. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think that's, that's really the goal. Make people fall in love with your content and, um, you know, they're going to want to be a deeper part of it.
1: Nice. I think my last question here is something that we've been talking a lot about just in the in the context of actually Uniswap, which is um, like where value accruals, uh, accrues in crypto. So like Uniswap, they launched their mobile app and like, you know, you, you start to think about like, okay, well, the value accrue here to the uni, to the UNI token uh, and the protocol, or does it accrue to the company like Uniswap Labs, which is building the app? And I think I have a similar question for you, which is you guys raised, I think it was $54 million at a $700 million, $700 million post uh, from 776 and 10T and some other folks. Does the value, if you guys are successful, right? Does the value accrue here to Doodles Equity, which got valued at $700 million? Or does it accrue to like Doodles the token or a little bit of both? Maybe just, yeah, walk me through how you think about that.
0: I mean, I think if we if we nail our vision, it has to accrue to both or we would have failed at least one part of that, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, and I really believe that the only way to deliver more and more value to the original token is if the brand can scale and there's more demand around it so for us we kind of see the two things inextricably linked and if um and if the brand gets bigger and bigger and we stay committed to making the original token which we believe is in our best interest and in everybody's best interest um, and we can deliver more and more value and experiences and everything to the original token. Um, you know, we see both um, both rising over time, um, but not you know like not in a way not in a way that we're promising things that we can't deliver. We want to build an ecosystem that the token holder really cares about, right? And and if they really care about it, and more and more people want that level of uh, integration into our world you'd have to imagine that there's going to be more of a market for it just because there's more people that want it.
1: Yeah. Truly, man. Good good conversation here. We have some uh, tough questions. I'm curious if, uh, is there anything that we missed or anything that you really wanted to touch on?
0: You know, you brought up JKB, which I think is really, it's a really interesting concept because it's it's kind of like, it's it's what we're talking about coming to life. Like if you look at the, if you look at the three of them, their PFP kind of became synonymous with their place in the Doodles ecosystem and web three at large. And for those that are not familiar, it's just, you know, it's, it's three women that, um, you know, met through Doodles. They, their PFP kind of became a lot of their social identity as, as this craze kicked off. Um, and they started doing these weekly Twitter spaces together and their dynamic together was incredible. Like they're hilarious. They're, you know, they're, you know, they're smart. They, they, they really care about the community and the community really cares about them. Um, So we started trying to help like incubate them as a brand a little bit more. Maybe we can help them grow more audience. Maybe we can get, like, I remember when we raised, when we did our fundraise, we didn't do like a spaces with Forbes or anything like that. We did a spaces on JKB and they literally had like the commentary exclusive from us. So we're, we're working with them to actually develop their brand a little bit, and they feel more connected to the doodles community and to the doodles brand than I think they ever have. And if we can feed them with like some access and a little funding, they actually are going to be able to bring more women into web three because they're, you know, because they're actually, you know, out there showing that there are a lot of prominent women in this space. It's good for the Doodles brand. Like incentives are aligned. They get to do a little bit about, of they get to do a lot of what they're passionate about. Doodles is aligned with like true community developing their own, you know, their own platform. Um, you know, and the two things ultimately meet. And, you know, I, if you went to their, like people were calling it the Doodles event at NFT NYC. And, you know, that that's really cool because, you know, we got to help actually sponsor some of that. But at the end of the day, it was a community driven event that, they're so linked to us that people thought it was a doodles event. So like we want to do that more and more and in different formats. Um, And I think that's that whole idea of like you have identity, you're growing with the brand and JKB are as big of stars in our universe as hopefully our fictional characters will be one day. Um, And that's the cool thing about the creator economy and what the blockchain can actually, you know, bring together, you know, with that mindset shifting stuff that I've been talking about. So Anyway, I just thought that was a cool example and uh, and wanted to give them a little bit of a plug.
1: Love that, love that. Julian, thank you, man. This has been great. Uh, we're rooting for you and uh, best of luck with everything. Thanks, guys. Big fans of what you're doing too. Appreciate the time today.
2: Thanks, Cheers. Julian.